Hello, and welcome to the Learn Gray podcast. I'm your host, Jenny Schmidt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the next episode of Learn Gray. I'm so excited about our guest today, somebody I've known for a long time, Tricia Kirsch, who is the Director of Clinical Services and the Executive Director at Stillwater Hospice. And um, when we worked together a um, hundred years ago at a local retirement community, I remember being in a care conference with you, Trisha, and you explained death and dying in such a beautiful way that it really touched my heart and it really touched the heart of the family that we were meeting with. And so when I heard that you were um, in this new role, was still water. I was so excited um, to hear that because I felt like that was your niche and I was really excited to be able to have you today. So welcome. Well, thank you, Jenny. It is my honor to be here. I um, very much thank you for for inviting me to be to be a part of this and, and thank you very much. So I guess let's start out by, can you tell us a little bit about your uh, journey in nursing and what has led you to this point in your career? Absolutely. So Jenny, I have been blessed navigating my nursing career. I have been a nurse for 27 years and most of my career has been caring for the geriatric population. While I spent some time in recovery nursing, home health and medical, After working as a director of nursing in the long-term care facility for approximately 14 years, is there I is what I realized, um, enjoying working with the population, the geriatric population, and became very passionate about end of life and death and dying. And that might sound very odd to some people, but that's what I love to do. Just like you had mentioned during the care conference it became very natural for me to talk about death and dying. And it's not like I had extended education regarding death and dying and how to talk and navigate through it. I simply had the love and the passion to talk about death and dying. And I wanted anybody with life-limiting illness and I wanted to embrace them with support and guidance. And so during these conversations, I just learned that I think I found my niche and that was simply death and dying in hospice. That's what I love. That's beautiful. So good. And I think, um, you know, we've talked about many times, um, maybe that people who are nearing end of life may engage hospice a little too late. Um, And it's certainly a question I get asked a lot, like, when's the right time? Like, how do you know when the right time is to start having conversations about hospice and and how do you answer that? You know, absolutely. And I would tell you, I would, this is what I would say from my experience now that, um, you know, what what I've learned from my past career and what I, in a little bit with what I have learned from Stillwater is, here's the thing, Jenny, we're all leaving this world at some point in our life, right? And so I would I would say that if you are facing an end of life situation or an event, and you had the opportunity to have hospice on your journey, why would you not want that? Why would you not want to have that hospice journey part of your plan of care? So really the right time to call hospice is any time because 
it's only a, you're out a phone call. That's all you're out is one phone call to talk about hospice and end of life. That's interesting that you bring that up. And, you know, I think um, so many times people do have that fear factor because, you know, they view hospice as a turning point, um, a turning point in in what the goal is, because I think the goal throughout our lives is always to treat the thing that's wrong. And the hot, the philosophy of hospice is a little bit different. And, you know, a lot of times when I meet with people, they have questions about, you know, the philosophy of hot, like is hospice a philosophy? Is it a place? Is it people? Can you kind of break down what the different aspects of hospice are and, and also where those things, where services can occur? Absolutely. Here's, here's the thing that, that you should, should know about this. Our hospice philosophy is simple and that's to provide compassionate, patient, and family health care for people of end of life. But that definition is actually pretty simple, right, Jenny? Because there is so much more to that. There's so much more that involves hospice care and services. So what some people may not know about hospice, in addition to the medical part of it, right, the medical part that's taking care of the patient, we also have a beautiful network of people that are on that patient and family's plan of care. Perhaps it's a social worker, maybe it's the chaplain, maybe it's a home health aide and the volunteers that all are support network with that. And so when you you hear hospice philosophy, sure it can be that sentence, but the beauty of it is what all of that entails. And each one of those individuals, the social worker, the nurse, the chaplain, the volunteer coordinator, are so dedicated, so educated about hospice care, that's really where the philosophy unfolds. That's really how the plan of care comes together for that patient and for the family. So when a person's on hospice care and services, that patient, wherever the patient's at is where we're at, right? So that could be in their private home, it could be in a long-term care facility, an assisted living, Um, it could be in the hospital setting. So wherever the patient's at is where hospice is at. And so, again, the hospice philosophy is is that simple, but it's really what everything that entails about hospice that makes it beautiful. And don't get me wrong, I'll tell you what, we fall in love with these people. It is not easy. It is not easy, um, but that is what we do and it's what we love. It's what we love to do. And each one of those networks is just a beautiful part of that patient's plan of care. We get the opportunity, we get the pleasure We get to come in at somebody's end of life and say, what do you want? What are your goals? What would you like to see at the end of life? What do you want to do? And we get we get the opportunity to to help people. We get to we get the patients in a family that have been estranged for years to say goodbye and I love you and it's okay to die. Right? And we get we we get that opportunity to do that. We get the opportunity for maybe somebody says, hey, at end of life, I want to drink beer and have some peanuts and listen to bar music. And guess what? We did it. Right? We might have some patients that say, I'm afraid of dying. I don't know what to do. We have the chaplain that come in that said, let's talk about it or let's just be present during this time. And so hospice is just a beautiful, oh, hospice is so beautiful. It's, I'm blessed to be a part of it. I'm blessed to be um, you know, in, this, in this journey with all of the patients. It's, it's, it's what we do. It's what we love. You're so passionate about it and it, it really translates. And you know, as you have, I've been with several people who have passed away in my presence. And 
Um, I think I think a word to describe it is um, magical and um, intimate. And, you know, that phrase comes to mind, we're all just walking each other home, you know, and I feel like, you know, there's, there's definitely such a thing as a good death and a good exit from this world. And um, what are, what are, what are some thoughts that you would have about that, you know, about that moment or about being with a dying person at the end of life? Here's what it is. Life is sacred and death is sacred. It is, it is just a beautiful process. You know, it, it, I have a very good nurse. It's a pediatric nurse, and she might say the same thing, right? Because coming into the world is beautiful and sacred, and so is going out. And so when you're in that hospice setting, it is just a beautiful part of somebody's journey to be at the end of life and so we get the beautiful pleasure of patients sometimes calling us I'll never forget I got a call one day and she said yep this is so and so and I want to be on hospice and I'm like what what so I'm actually having a patient tell me that they're ready to be on hospice and so we generally have families or, or my mom's end of life we need hospice but then I also had the pleasure of having somebody that called me and said, I want to be at an end of life. And so really, the, the situations are the same because at the end of life, it was beautifully sacred and it's, you know, it was precious um, in, in both entities, the patient that called me as well as the family that said, this is what I want to do at the end of life. This is how I want my journey to go and unfold. And again, with all the, all the team that's on the patient's plan of care, the social worker, the chaplain, the volunteer, the nurse, is what really lays that out. Yeah. Um, another time I recall being engaged with you in a team setting with a patient and their family, um, the patient was end of life. And, you know, there was a family member who was really pretty vocal about, well, you know, she needs to eat, she needs to drink, like she's not, you know, we need to get her up and we need to do these things. And, you know, you had, you just have your way, like you had this way of explaining what was happening to their mom. Can you, can you share that? Yeah, I I vividly remember that, Jenny. And, and here's the thing with that. I have two sides to that. Number one is my nursing side of it. So I know why she wasn't eating or drinking, and I know why she probably should not continue to eat and drink. So my nursing philosophy was on one side of the coin, but my love and passion for death and dying was on the other side of it. So first, obviously, to recognize and validate the the loved one's concern, that's the first time her mom is going to die. Right? She doesn't get to rewind and do this all over again. And so the, the pleasure that I had, the honor that I had being that care conference is to listen to that, to, to explain in the simplest terms of why the nutrition part wasn't working anymore, but to hopefully flip the coin and say, but what do you think your mom would want at this time? Let's talk about your mom, right? There's nothing wrong with hope. So that daughter was hanging on, like, Mom, I love you. Like, I'm not ready for you to leave this earthly world. But the nursing side of it, Mother Nature saying, yeah, my body's kind of checked out and it's time to go. So that's when hospice comes along to say, Let, let's, let's just make this work. What, what do we see? What, what does the patient want? And let's listen to the patient. Let's listen to her symptoms and what's happening with that. 
and provide the tools and the resources we can to make her comfortable, but then there's twofold also to take care of that daughter. Mm -hmm. So the daughter is also yes. part of the plan of care. So let's not forget about that because we, we do an amazing job medically to take care of that patient, but here's what hospice does too so beautifully well. So we also take care of that daughter. We also manage her grieving that started at that moment we walked in at the care conference. And we also, Stillwater Hospice follows that, that, that family for months, like up to a year afterwards, because we love them so much, we fall in love with them. We want to know how they're doing, how are they doing for that first Christmas without your mom. So we also do that. So there's so much more involved with that. So yeah, to be a part of those care conference, being a part of that is what I just absolutely love to do. I love, I love to talk about that. I know you do. I mean, your, your whole being lights up in a way that um, is really beautiful when you talk about your passion. And I think that's why I wanted to have you have you here today for sure. Um, can you talk a little bit about who pays for hospice care? Like how is there a benefit for that um, for people? And I, I know it's- Absolutely, absolutely. And here's the thing that you have to think about is, is it's Medicare. Medicare pays 100% as, in, as does Medicaid. And Medicare is a hospice benefit that we all paid into, right? So we already paid into this benefit. So you're exactly right, Jenny. So what it is, is there's free. Additionally, most private insurance companies also cover hospice services. So that's, so that's, that's really pretty simple, right? Take advantage of that hospice benefit that we all paid into. And, and that's, that's what that hospice benefit is about. Um, what it includes is just kind of what we what I was talking about here the nurses the social workers the chaplains that core plan of team um, the nurse practitioners the medical director described um, also the medications and supplies maybe there's some durable um, medical equipment related to that uh, patient's diagnosis that would be covered we provide assistance with advanced care planning support and education for the caregivers counseling, uh, spiritual support, and of course just what I talked about here a little bit is that grief and bereavement. So that's in a nutshell that that's what that's what it's covered. And having which is awesome and I think you know if it's a benefit that's available to all of us we should definitely grasp onto it and use it. And I think you know as much as it is you know for the dying person um, you also mentioned a lot about supporting that person's family. And I think one of the things that I'm always impressed about with hospice is, number one, the way that you handle that ongoing relationship after the person passes away and the way that you stay in touch um, with that grieving family. Um, but the other thing is the level of education that you offer to families about you know, physically what's happening to their loved one um, and really helping them understand the dying process. Because I think it's really, it's really common to fear things that we don't understand. And in a way, I think hospice normalizes the dying process and explains it in a way that helps to reframe it for families that um, maybe don't haven't been through it before. Absolutely, Jenny, and that that is that is where hospice again, the special, educated, very smart individuals um, that this this is this is their forte. This is their niche. This is what they do, 
And so you're exactly right to talk about, number one, the process of somebody dying. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Why are they acting that way? What is happening? Those physiological components when somebody is transitioning through life. So that's where we are there. And that we just got a call. We were just talking about this. It was 3 o'clock in the morning, and a family member called and said, my loved one is doing this. What is happening? The nurse gets on the phone and said, it's okay. This is what's happening. It might look a little weird. It might smell a little weird. You might feel a little bit weird, but that's all right. This is what's happening. Don't worry about it. So that's what we do. About It's a constant education from day one, from the first moment that we walk in there. Um, it, we might say it over and over again because it's hard, it's tough, it's emotional, and death is intimate. And, and, you, and you're right. So we have multiple components of that, layers of that education um, to help guide the, the patient, of course, but the family, the caregivers through that transition. Which is amazing. I think it's great. Tell us a little bit about Stillwater Hospice because for a long time in our local community, we had one hospice provider and now um, enter Stillwater, which is how we got reconnected. And um, so tell us a little bit about that, the company's history and the areas that you serve and how people get in touch. You bet, absolutely. So when we talked about it a little bit in the beginning, you know, my career path and how I ended up here, you know, when I was a former director of nursing in a position, um, I left that and I thought to myself, what do I want to do? And I still wanted to do something in nursing. I wanted to do something with the geriatric population to serve my talents, to help people. And I got a call out of the blue, very randomly. Stillwater Hospice of Montana was calling me and said, hey, we're looking for an executive director, a clinical director of services. We need to um, do something in Rapid City. We want to start a hospice program out here, and we want you to build the team. And I said yes, and I haven't looked back. So that's a little bit how I got started with that. Stillwater Hospice, um, when I say Montana, um, they there's a three um, owners out there and they saw the need for hospice care and services. They have a beautiful background and knowledge with that and so they opened in Montana and spread out into Wyoming and now here in South Dakota. So they came out, did a nice market analysis and said, hey, I think the, the population of what we serve can certainly suffice for another hospice agency and here we are. So we have the opportunity to serve, you know, multiple counties. Um, we definitely here in Pennington County, Custer, Fall River, and the Oglala County, and a little bit in Meade County. So it's a case-by-case -case scenario, um, and we're very, we're here. We, we love hospice. I have an amazing team that, that uh, I work with. I was just talking to the team the other day during one of our staff meetings, and Jenny, we have about 35-plus years of collective hospice background through RNs, LPNs, home health aides, chaplains, and social work. And how amazing is that? That's so great. So those people are the most talented, amazing individuals that I work with. I learn so much with them every day, right? I, I can help I can help drive the boat a little bit and, 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 and organize things and get it on, but it's, it's all of these people that really... Um, the, the collaboration of the team that, that really is beautiful here in South Dakota. I always say, like, you know, if you if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Right. And I think, you know, it's for me, I say this all the time, that it's all about who you're on the journey with, you know, who's surrounding you. And, you know, when um, 
I reached out to you to ask you to be on the podcast. I was I was thinking about you and I thought, you know, she is the person. Like if I if I were the dying person or I had a dying loved one, yours would be the face that I would want to darken my door. Like I would you're the right person for what you're doing. And so, and I know that resonates with with not just me but with with all of the people that you serve. You are you are a blessing to many. And I, I just have to share a personal story. So, um, well, my daughter is, my daughter Claire is 13. So this would have been 11 years ago. Um, I, I, Claire had a cold. She was a baby. She was two. And she had sleep apnea. And it was a really scary night. And I ended up all night long sitting up with her in a recliner holding her because she kept, she kept, stopping breathing. And I took her to the doctor the next day and the doctor called the ENT on call. And, um, I had just picked her up from daycare. So I got like a late appointment as all working moms do. Can you get me in at four 30, you know? And, um, the ENT got me on the phone and said, well, you can either be up tonight with a baby with sleep apnea or you can be up with a baby with a sore throat, but we need to do an emergency tonsillectomy tonight and I'll meet you at the hospital at seven. And I looked at my baby and she had played in the sandbox all afternoon and she was filthy dirty. I mean, there was dirt in her diaper and under her nails and her hair. And I was really in a pickle because I lived really far out of town at that time. And I thought, oh my God, like, do you ever have those moments where you just don't even know who you're going to call? And I thought, who's the most nurturing person who will understand this problem? And I called you. I called you and said, Trish, we don't even know each other that well, but can I please bring my two-year-old over and give her a bath at your house? And you said, yeah, I'll run the water. Bring her over. And that's what we did. Do you remember that? I did. I did. I remember it very vividly because I... uh, um, pulled back the shower curtain, I got the water ready, threw some bubbles in, got some play toys out, got my, my daughter's favorite blanket and her little, um, her towel. So yes, I remember it very vividly. And I'm, yes, I'm glad you did that. I think she left a ring around the tub. She was so dirty, but it, it was nice. And I'm glad she, she, you know, got her surgery and worked out okay. Oh but God. yes, absolutely. Yeah. I do remember that. So that's the kind of lady Trish is. Trish is the lady that you could call who would be almost a stranger where you could ask to come bathe your dirty baby before emergency surgery and she'd tell you to come on over. So I love it. Well, I am so thrilled that you were able to come and spend time with me today. And it was so great to reconnect and to see you and, and to see you in this space, to see you really loving what you're doing and um, living out your passion. Well, again, and thank you, Jenny, but absolutely, I absolutely love hospice. I love death and dying. I love to talk about it. I love to care for people um, in that in that vulnerable state, and whatever Stillwater can do to make a different, make every moment count, that's what we do. Great. I will link um, all of the contact information for Trish Hirsch and for Stillwater Hospice in the show notes. So um, if you want to get in touch, that's where you can find the info. And thanks, everybody, for being here today. 